basically today um, I'm going to be preaching kind of going off of what Eric had preached last week on the love of God and his revelation of who Jesus is, which he did an amazing job, and I guess my prayer would be that one day I can preach as well as he can. <laughs> no. Um, so basically, today I want to be speaking on the supremacy of Jesus, okay, and bring, him bringing us from darkness and into light, okay. Um, I think for myself, the best way I can, I guess, explain or, um, I guess, how God took me from darkness to light is, is none other than to share with you guys my personal testimony. And I know some of you guys have heard it. But for others that haven't heard it yet, um, basically, I was 21 years old, and uh, I remember I was just kind of, quote unquote, um, as the earth, or as the world would call it, living as a 21-year-old kid. And it wasn't until, um, I was always really good friends with the twins, and I remember I was at their house one day, and um, Oldamas uh, had invited me to a Bible study. And she's like, hey, uh, why don't you come to this Bible study? Um, it's Wednesday night. I really think you should come. And I was just kind of like, nah, you know what? That stuff's not for me. Um, go on without me. I, I thank you, but no thank you. And so the following week, she comes back to me again, and she goes, hey, I want to let you know that we've been praying for you, and I really think that you should come. And I'm like, okay, fine. If you stop asking me, I'll come for you. And so I ended up going. And... While I was there, we just started reading from the Word, and um, everything they were talking about just spoke truth, it spoke life, and it made so much sense. And I was just kind of quiet there the whole time, not saying a word, until after we got back to their place, and I remember we just started talking about God, and I had so many questions for them until like 2, 3 in the morning. And I remember I had to be up for work at like 5.30, so it's like 3 o'clock in the morning at this point. And I remember praying a prayer, and I never used to pray back then. Never. And I just pretty much called out God and I said, God, if you're real and if you exist, I want you to show yourself to me. And show yourself to me in a way that I know it's you and I'll never have any more doubts about you. I said, there's so many different types of quote-unquote gods and religions out there. I said, what's the, what's the real God? What's, what's the one true way? There can only be one God. Amen. And so I'll never forget it. About three days later, I'm at Aaron Mills Town Center shopping because I'm about to go on a, on a big vacation with a bunch of friends and stuff like that, and I was really looking forward to this vacation. And I'm inside American Eagle, and I was just like picking up a bathing suit or whatever the case may be. And a guy comes up to me, and he goes, uh, excuse me, sir, do you work here? And I said, no, I'm just kind of looking for a bathing suit, man. He's, so you can tell he kind of wanted to speak to me. So he comes back around, and he says to me, he looks at me, and he goes, do you believe in God? And I said, yeah, I believe in God. Why? He's like, are you a Christian? I said, no, I'm, I'm Catholic, and I was Catholic at the time. And he goes, do you mind if I pray for you? And I was like, here? <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, I want to pray for you, dude. So right then and there in the middle of American Eagle, he starts praying for me, and he starts just praying blessings in my life, and he's just... And I, and I remember I interrupted him as he was praying for him, like, as he's praying for me. And it's like, who does that, number one? And I said to him, I said, man, I really appreciate you doing this for me, but why are you praying for me right now? He goes, man, I want to let you know something. He goes, God told me to drive here today and speak to you. And I said, I was just kind of like in awe still. 
And he said to me, he goes, um, why don't you take a walk with me? So I remember we, we just start walking and, um, and then he begins to prophesy into my life. And he just, he, and I'm not giving him any type of insight as to anything about my life or who I am. And he goes, you have one blood brother. And he goes, he's going to need your love and your support. And he's going to need you to never turn your back on him and just love him unconditionally. Then he goes to me, he says, are you dating anyone right now? Or is there anyone you're seeing or anything like that? And I said, no, I'm single. He's like, well, I want to let you know that you're going to meet someone very shortly. And he goes, and then he starts to describe what that would be like. And then he says to me, he goes, but when you meet your wife, he goes, you're going to know within the minute you meet her, and that's going to be your wife. And he starts describing her characteristics and what type of person she's going to be. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, dude, I'm like, where are you getting this from? And he kind of just put his hands up in the air and he says, man, I'm just relaying a message from heaven. And... He later went on to say that I see you prophesying over people, I see you healing people, and I see you preaching God's word. And I laughed and I said, man, I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, I'm like, dude, there's no way. I barely know anything about this. He starts laughing and goes, God has just hijacked your body. He goes, God has just taken you from darkness and just revealed to you who he is. And I remember him saying, God wants you to start reading the word. I'm like, dude, I don't even like reading, man. I'm like, let alone the word. I'm He's like, he starts laughing. He goes, I want to let you know something. He goes, the minute you walk out of this mall here today, your life is going to change and it will never be the same. And so what had happened is that God had placed this guy into my life at that appointed time to share with me the hope that he had found in Jesus Christ. I remember going back into my car, leaving the mall, and just marveling at all that just had happened and the work of God and in the work in his people. And so from that day, after encountering the Holy Spirit and witnessing the power and love of God, I literally felt as if God had ripped me out of this kingdom of darkness and placed me into the kingdom of light. It is the most liberating and freeing feeling that you can ever experience. And when we come to terms with that, it's then God saying, this is what you are, and this is what I can make you. Or this is what you were, and this is what I have planned for you. His plan over your life, or his will over your life, is far better and supersedes anything you could have came up with yourself or could ever imagine. And that's the power of the blood in Christ. So if you will, turn, to me, turn with me to Colossians 1, chapter 13. Oh, uh, sorry, verse 13, thank you. Are we all there? Okay. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So he, meaning Jesus, rescues us from the domain of darkness. So you didn't deliver yourself or rescue yourself or think much of yourself to clean yourself up and to pull yourself out of this domain of darkness or all of a sudden today would be the day that I turn away from this. Okay? You were rescued from it. And that's what Paul is saying here. You were redeemed and it's not us who gets the glory for that. It's Jesus. Let me make that clear. So let me see if I can explain this a little more, okay? We make the kingdom of darkness out to be this, like, 
scary movie, um, haunted house type of um, um, way of living or anything like that. Like it's, uh, we make kingdom of darkness into debauchery, sexual immorality, depravity, greed, drugs, and alcohol. We make that kingdom of darkness. But biblically, kingdom of darkness goes well beyond that. It's anything we substitute as your God instead of Jesus. Okay? The light of the world. And let me share something with you, something that I've learned, is that some of us may be living in a kingdom of darkness right now. You may think you can get to fullness of life or fullness of joy your own way. So you'll make the rules. You'll define what's right and wrong. No one will tell you what to do or lay down any type of track for you. Okay? Because surely this is outdated, right? I mean, surely this is far out of touch. Surely the word of God is, 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 is like wearing a fanny pack. Like it's, it's out of date. It's out of touch. Like one of those, uh, who has ever seen, the, remember those Adidas teal tracksuit looking windbreakers? Surely the word of God is like that. Surely the word of God needs, is outdated, Right? I mean, I think I know better. So some of us are walking in a kingdom of darkness because we think we are smarter than God. I don't think anyone will come out and flat out admit that, that it just all of a sudden occurred to them that they're smarter than all that God has revealed in the scriptures. And then there's others, which no one wants to talk about, okay? There's others that walk in the kingdom of darkness, but not because of addiction or any of those things. It's rather you want to use the comfort of religion so that you can live in such a way that you don't have to submit your life to Jesus Christ. And how that works is, I'll do what he says and then we're cool. And we don't grow in life with him. We don't grow in relationship with him. I don't want to submit my life to him. I'll just do what he says, and this way he can leave me alone, and, I, and, and, and I'll leave him alone. I don't want to submit my life to him. I'll just do what he says, or sorry, we, we, so in, in that sense, we use religion, okay, as a way to say, I don't need you. So you have two types of people. Some that say, I don't need you, I'm smarter than you, I know how relationships work better than you, I know how money works better than you. And some that say, I don't need you because I go to church every Sunday. Or I don't need you because I don't swear or I don't get drunk or I don't get high like Mike over here. You know, get on him, don't get on me. So we become self-righteous and both ways are really walking in the same kingdom of darkness. The same kingdom of, I don't need you, I've got this. Both ways are bankrupt both ways are empty and both ways are exhausting. <clears throat> if, I, if I can paint you this picture, look at the rich young ruler in Mark 10, uh, verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, 
Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Look back to verse 14 in Mark 10. Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So you have two different approaches here. A self-righteous man that feels as if he kept all the commandments from a child and living under the impression that that would be enough. But then you have the child that all the child wants to do is just to be with Jesus. Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And here's the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus has actively redeemed us or rescued us and pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of his beloved son, into the kingdom of life. That's the good news of the gospel. But there's more to it. In Colossians uh, 1.15, to have you guys turn back to Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So we've talked about how He rescues us, how He redeems us, and how He pulls us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, where He lines us up with the way He created things to work. And the way we are created to, uh, to be and how we now are able to see is because he is able, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So you want to know what Jesus is like? Or sorry, rather, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. If you want to know how God feels about your sin, look at Jesus. And, when, and when, I can't help but when I think about the way God would handle my sin, I think of how he treated the woman caught in the act of adultery. John 8, 3, uh, 3-12 says, the teach, uh, and I'll just read it for you. The teacher of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to, stand su- uh, to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he strained up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who had heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now, now, now go and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So even though this woman was condemned and sentenced to death, Jesus comes and says, you without sin, throw the first stone. 
After everyone had left the court, not having thrown a single stone, Jesus says, I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Literally saving her life, Jesus reveals a kingdom not of this world. When the world demands justice and death, Jesus brought forgiveness and life. He then says to the Pharisees, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light, and Jesus is life. So now, Jesus is not just saying that to any certain crowd or type of people. He's saying that to the Pharisees. So when speaking of self-righteousness, for those that don't know, regardless of how disciplined you are or think you are, okay, you wouldn't stand a chance against the Pharisees. Okay, so let me put it to you like this. If you would be like some junior varsity third string water boy in comparison to what the Pharisees are like, okay, and you'll say, well, that's not true because I've memorized many scriptures and I've kept myself pure. Okay, the Pharisees would have memorized the entire Torah from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Okay? I mean, like, how many of us have actually gone through the book of Numbers? Like, really? How many of us have just got to, like, chapter 16 and be like, forget it, I'm going to go to Philippians and just totally skim over that? Whereas they've memorized the entire Torah. So they make our level of moral cleanliness just look sad. So Jesus says, unless your righteousness supersedes that righteousness, you'll never see the kingdom, the kingdom of the beloved son. You're never going to see that kingdom, that kingdom where you line yourself up with the way God created the universe to work. You're never going to get there that way. Now that's a lot to take in. Because for all your external actions, you're, ne- you're never going to get there. Regardless of those external activities, it doesn't work that way. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. The standard should never be shifted. You know, I hear all the time, I'm a good person, I do good things, um, you know, I, I, I should be able to go to heaven. You know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so over here. Look at what they do in comparison to look at what I do. I was at work this week, and there was an apprentice, and he, he just wanted to help out. He just wanted to feel like he was doing his job or some type of due diligence because all he was doing is kind of getting coffees and grabbing material. And so finally the foreman said to him, okay, fine. You have, I want you to cut off, I think it was like 100 pieces uh, by 8 feet. Forgive me, I can't remember the exact measurement. And so he began to cut the first 2 by 4 at 8 feet, makes a mark, and cuts it there. And so rather than using his tape measure, he just took the next board that he had cut at 8 feet and marked the next one, and the next one, and the one after that, which would be fine if he was cutting 3 or 4 boards. But what he was doing, he was cutting more than 100 boards or 100, whatever the case may be, and he's using the preceding board as his next line, okay? And so what was actually happening is he's becoming an an eighth of an inch 
longer and longer and longer. So at the end of it all, he's up around nine feet. So for 2,000 years, we've been measuring ourselves to the previous generation instead of the original standard that Jesus had laid out for us. Verse 16 in Colossians. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have, be created, have been created through him and for him. So you have Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. All authority is his. And you see that work itself out and that he is the creator of all things on heaven and on earth. So something to maybe consider is that you are uniquely designed or uniquely created or uniquely placed for the name and the glory of Jesus Christ. Verse 18. He is also the head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. If we go back to the beginning of that verse... Jesus is as the head of the church. I think it's fair to say that all churches have their own issues. I think it's fair to say that some of us have been hurt by the church, betrayed by the church, disappointed by the church, let down by the church. Something I hear from time to time from unbelievers or skeptics is that all you Christians are hypocrites, that they don't live out what they believe. And my response to them is, you're absolutely right. They don't live out what they believe. So here's what I'm saying to those who have been hurt or betrayed by the church. You might have just found yourself a home. Because surely you're not saying you're hypocritical. Sure, you're, you're not saying that. Surely you're not saying that what I do is perfect. And I'm preaching to myself here. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. And here's what makes God so spectacular in all that. Is that he actually puts up with us. So what God is trying to communicate here to us is that his grace is big enough for you and I and is so ferociously loving to such people. Such people that just can't seem to get it right. And that you might have found yourself a home, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what your current struggles are, and regardless of what mistakes you have been made. Christ is the head of the church. The body is a little deformed, but Christ is getting her there. So we can be assured of this. Since Christ is the head of the church, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. So what I'm trying to tell you is that you have a home in the church. So for those of you who are like, but my life is a total train wreck. Uh, like you don't even know who I am. Like I'm not even sober right now. I'm not either. No, I'm just joking. I'm, to- I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Frank, oh, Frank's not here. I was going to tell him to maybe audio that out. <laughs> going back to verse 19. 
For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or in heaven. So Christ is reconciling all things through life, through his life, death, and resurrection. Not just those who put their faith in him, but he is reconciling all things unto himself. So what we have to understand is that when sin entered the world, it fractured everything. Not just people. Even the thrones and the dominions and even the things that God created to be lovely and good, they even grew perverse. So what's going to happen is that Christ is going to redeem all that went wrong in the fall. So that changes our view on the world because we have been reconciled, made testimonies of that reconciliation to those around us in the world today. So hear me out. We all have amazing gifts, gifts that God has given us, maybe some passions. Some of you are amazing artists, architects, uh, amazing businessmen. Some are really gifted in sports. Whatever the case may be, you have natural abilities and passions that God had put in, in your life because he's going to use that in the domain of culture that he has placed you in to redeem and reconcile all things unto himself. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile all things... Or sorry, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moving away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So you have Paul saying that you were alienated, you were hostile in mind, and you were engaged in evil deeds. So to take you back to the beginning of this sermon, some of, some of us are engaged in evil deeds such as drunkenness, sexual immorality, and addiction, but some of us are in in deeds of darkness in regards to you're going to church, you're reading your Bible, you're journaling, okay, to do either of those outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is, hear me out, rebellion. They are both ways to saying, I don't need you. I'll do this my own way. But what the text is saying is that Jesus has made a way by his blood, by his death, and by his resurrection, and by his resurrection for you to be blameless and holy in his sight. So regardless of where we are coming from, there's only one answer, and that's the person and work of Jesus Christ. I hope I can make that clear. So my hope, and I, and I guess what I'm trying to get across here today is that you would be drawn into that Christ. And that Christ is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, the one who is reconciling all things to himself, and that you would put your faith in his shed blood for us, his righteous life and his resurrection. 
So in that moment when you realize that you screwed up and you feel like you need to go clean yourself up and try and hide from God, then come to God, like Adam and Eve in the beginning, when they sinned, they ate from the tree of good and evil and they felt that they needed to run and hide from God and clothe themselves. No, it's rather running to Him. Because people that understand the gospel don't run from God, they run to God. And I hope I can make that clear here today. Just like David. A lot of us may think that what we've done is is horrible and our sins are terrible. You look at David and what David did throughout his life and his sins, and we don't even compare to that. But David was always a man after God's heart. So take this today and remember this. Because people that understand the gospel don't run from God, they run to God. Thank you very much.